everyone you're listening to i hate this town uh i'm your host owen and joining me today as always is mj hi and producer nick hello and we have a special guest with us today uh noted author and pittsburgher jacob bacharach hey nice to be here glad to uh glad to have you thanks for coming on yeah for real (laughs) oh um, yeah thanks for inviting me I, like uh, the person who we were talking about before we started recording, I'll, I'll do any podcast. <laughs> this works out for us because we are basically any podcast. <laughs> Gore Vidal said you should never turn down any opportunity to have sex or go on TV, but nobody's going to invite me on TV, so I'll just go on any podcast. <laughs> you never know. They are still doing local access. <laughs> <laughs> if Wendy Bell ever gets a TV show back, I'm going on that one. Oh, oh man. God, you know hey, that podcast. Would be good too. Podcasts are TV for the new generation, right? What kind I mean, of like, what kind thanks of thanks to podcasts, we, we have pull. true crime. <laughs> what kind of stunt can we pull to like get featured on Wendy Bell's whatever <laughs> Facebook live stream that she does? <laughs> right? I Is mean, that we what she's dra- been relegated to? Yeah, we could dress up like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and like hold up cue signs in front of the city in front of City Hall. Oh, you mean get on in a good way? I meant get on in a bad way. Oh, get on in a <laughs> but bad I'm all, way. But I'm not opposed I think if to, we to TP- getting on. I think in a if good we way. TP'd her house, that would be plenty. <laughs> She, this is actually what the like entire episode is about and why we have Jacob on. Uh, yeah, Jacob is going to help us figure this out. Figure out how to torment local local celebrity and disgraced news host, Wendy Bell. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, local crank. With a wood, uh, it's, it is a requirement oh. if you're going to be a local crank to have like a wood paneled basement from which you can perform your crankery. So. Hey, hey. Well, you know what? I'm sorry, but they don't really build basements that often in California, okay? So I just am stuck with what I have. (laughs) You're going to have to get yourself a crank car then. That's why Uh, in the West Coast, they're always doing this. They're always talking to their phone. Right. You can, well, there's there's two options if you're on the West Coast. It's um, rants out of the front seat of your car or old school Alex Jones style break into Bohemian Grove. Alex Jones is such a was such a boring break into the Bohemian Grove. The much, much funnier one, which is actually one of my favorite stories, is about Richard Nixon, who like got invited and went to the Bohemian Grove. And they've got him on tape on like the White House tapes talking um, to Haldeman, I think. And he and he's like, call them a bunch of faggots that worship the owl. I went out there in a Bohemian Grove. It was the faggiest thing I've ever seen in (laughs) my life. (laughs) Oh, God. Those Nixon tapes. When really he's right, the, he's right. It's, <laughs> listen, the gift that keeps on giving is the Nixon tapes. The Jews and the facts. <laughs> Just wait until we get those those missing minutes. 
the deleted ones. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be some, I don't some know. fucking fire. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> this is actually why they uh, sped up the production of digital audio recording, because they didn't want people to be able to have physicals anymore to catch things like the stuff that Richard Nixon said. <laughs> that's when we got those little, like, you get one in sync song on a CD, <laughs> yeah, like the a mini CD. That, yeah, the hit clips that you get at McDonald's. Nixon Nixon tapes on hit clips. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> Just little portions of. Imagine imagine making a mixtape for like your crush or whatever, and it's just the Nixon tapes <laughs> spliced in there. Yeah, just splice in the Jonestown tape with it. Oh my god! Make sure that you always get a callback. I'm I'm more like imagining like when like in the early days of digital music, like when I was in like late high school or in college and like getting really mad like i'm trying to download a pirated copy of the nixon tapes on LimeWire, but the internet in my dorm room got disrupted and i lost the whole thing or it's it's mislabeled anyway uh this is for listeners gonna be another uh pittsburgh western pa episode because they all are at this point well you know we have a central theme that we that, that's our tether we're we're tethered to western pa and we may range a field to Seattle and Boston and uh, Louisville and other places, but we'll always come back to Western PA. Look, this uh, podcast so... really, this is, this is you know, this is kind of a last thing. <laughs> I'll say this podcast is, is really turning into my education on uh, Western Pennsylvania. and We are just... conducting the first experiment ever to try to turn someone into a yinzer entirely via video call and we're doing <laughs> who, has, who has lived in california their entire life so i'm gonna start uh, like mailing you iron city <laughs> iron city and yingling you're just gonna get packages on your doorstep yeah. and there's a little note that's like drink this i'm gonna get like a soggy couch de- return like, delivered. to the center return to the center of dark energy in the appalachian <laughs> mountains right that is kind of what we're talking about uh so Jacob, you wrote a book, The Bend of the World, which I have sitting right in front of me, which if I can sum it up and feel free to correct me if you don't think this is the right way to summarize it, it's um, every conspiracy theory is true and they're all taking place in Pittsburgh in roughly 2012. Yeah, that's <laughs> Is that when that, was, that book was set? I guess a little earlier because yeah. you, you have a very... Um, uh, Thinly veiled Ravenstall <laughs> character in there. This book is sort of a what's the word for it? Uh, somebody smarter character, Romana Clef. Well, only, <laughs> for Pittsburgh. only if uh, it would only be a Romana Clef if Jacob was a like kind of tepid straight guy who like fucked CMU grad students. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think is the case. Uh, no, uh, no, but but uh, I. I I had to intuit my way into that particular, <laughs> um, into that particular psyche. Um, but yeah, that's true. That's actually, that's a very fair, I'm glad you summarized it too, because one of like, I can't remember what any of my, anything that I've ever written is about as soon as, <laughs> as I finished it. I can't, I remember the high points, but I don't actually remember any of the three lines, but, um, yes, it's basically, it, it, it posits that. Uh, all conspiracy theories are true and they are all taking place or have some connection to Western Pennsylvania, which I really kind of believe in, in real life anyway. Um, and, uh, and yes, that is a pretty thinly veiled, 
uh, Ravenstall. I even got the <laughs> I even got the barbecue sauce on the Homeland Security vehicle in uh-huh. there, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh no, it's in there. Well, so there was one part of the book that made me lose my mind, which is that Peter cheats on his like old, you know, former girlfriend Catherine basically by staying at Gooski's too late and hooking up with some chick who offers to smoke him out in her apartment across the street. Well, in 2013, I lived across the street from Gooski's. <laughs> that would not have been me because I lived on the ground floor. But there was a chick who hung out there, my friend Katie, who ba- who bartends at Brillo Box now. Well, you know, did. Um, yeah. So I was reading the book and I texted a picture of my friend and went, well, turns out that this guy in this book hooked up with Katie. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, entirely, entirely <laughs> possible. Um, yeah, I think it takes place. I, I think the actual probably timeline, it probably starts in 20 in 2011 mm-hmm. and then goes into 2012 and maybe even by the end of it is slightly into 2013 but it, that, that's about like that's the time period when it takes place yeah um, it's very good and if anybody lived in pittsburgh at that time they will just read it and go and hoot and holler their way through the book recognizing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brillo box mod cloth girls um, <laughs> tiger may makes an appearance Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Tiger May does make an appearance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Multiple former employers of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was uh, it was really funny because like when I I uh, when I was working my way through the uh, through the manuscript like with my agent and my my editor um, at, at the time, um, there was a certain. My, my editor, who I became pretty good friends with, ended up like coming out to visit me in Pittsburgh, and I just took him to all of the places that were in the book. And he was like, "I," he was like, "Is any of this actually fictional?" <laughs> <laughs> like all the places are real, uh, except for the Owls Club, which was really the Lawrenceville Moose before R.I.P. Being the Lawrenceville Moose. R.I.P. Lawrenceville. Oh my Moose. god, I I used to love going to the um what is it KSWA wrestling at the Moose. Oh hell yeah! Oh, it was so good because it was ten bucks to get in the door, but beers were a dollar and like you could smoke in there so people would just like smoking and watching like western pa local wrestling yeah um and like <laughs> the bar would just serve children so like children would go up and uh, get beers hold on uh, when we're talking about this specific book you need to be more careful about your phrasing when you say the bar serves children it does serve children <laughs> uh, it sounds like they're giving you a child <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what they were doing at the danger- dangerous <laughs> they were serving um, beer to children uh Comet ping pong energy. <laughs> uh, there was really so if you were a member of of the Moose, um, a, as I was um, for for a number of years, mostly because um, that was the best place in town to buy coke for a oh, long, yeah, for a long absolutely. time. Absolutely. Um, well, it was the proximity to Blue Moon was not accidental. No, no, not at all. Um, and they really did have a room in the basement, which I, which I also. Uh, put into the book which we called the christmas tree room which was a room that just had all of these old artificial christmas trees and a bunch of like real shitty like yinzer christmas tree decorations kind of poorly boxed up and like cardboard boxes that were just like rotting and moldering (laughs) and falling apart and it had this old (laughs) it had this old slop sink which was also just completely disgusting and like growing mushrooms and lichens all over it and i i just I have so many distinct memories of just um, doing the worst cocaine in the universe off of literally a shard of a broken mirror that was just perched <laughs> on the edge of the slop sink. 
<laughs> it is in very my, funny. In my younger and less responsible years. <laughs> I mean, it is very funny to think about, like, the implied, like, dark organic energies of all of these just, like, vile old businesses that used to be here. But, like, they've had, like, a, a coat of paint slapped on them and been, like, regentrified. So now it's, like, spirit. Or in the case of, like, Dells, which is possibly one of the darkest centers of energy <laughs> in the Western Hemisphere. Um <laughs> Like is was sugar and spice, and then some place called smoke with a Q U, and then it closed, and now it's nothing. And it's sat empty, um, <laughs> sat empty now for like well over a year, going on two years, I think. So yeah, that yeah. energy has like rotted <laughs> through the building. And yeah, poisoned every business that came out. There's the so there are so many just like dark and horrible things that happened in that place. The energy was really quite something. So, and actually, I worked there for a while, <laughs> and it. Did it affect you? Did it like warp your brain? Yes. <laughs> I worked there for nine months, which is like a f- pretty long time because the average, the average career of a server at Dell's was about a week. <laughs> what was the primary cause of uh, resignation? The, the owner's a fucking psychopath. Oh, well, okay. It's that's pretty standard. Fucking lunatic. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of uh, old businesses in Pittsburgh with really dark energies um i was going to ask and this circles back around to our off-air conversation about gay bars in pittsburgh uh donnie's oh yeah donnie's leather central jacob have you ever oh. been oh of course absolutely I actually that's why i brought it up doesn't have figured. a very dark energy donnie's is a place with a da- dark reputation but that was actually like pretty chill the outside yeah. of it well so that's the thing i've never been in i think it's been like closed ish since I've been legal drinking age, probably. Um, for listeners that don't know, Donnie's is this um, leather bar that is located at like, it's like at the bottom of a hill and across a bridge and train tracks from like the abandoned, massive, looming Iron <laughs> City Brewing, like the the brewery building this like giant looming brick factory building with a massive fucking hole in the side of it and trains yeah. going by gimp, gimp masks in the shadow of old industry in oh, the shadow of old industry which yeah that's that's <laughs> Pittsburgh but um the the building itself is like uh on all sides it's like an empty gravel lot with like burnt out buses and trucks and shit <laughs> just like it looks like a junkyard with a boarded up building in the middle of it. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, that's the leather bar. And you're like, well, that's fucking terrifying from the outside. <laughs> the horrifying. It looks like, I mean, I don't know. Anytime, yeah, I, really I, anytime I see that place uh, from the outside, your immediate like visual like connection is to the gimp scene from Pulp Fiction. There were really good lesbian dance parties on the second floor there for a long time that I remember because that was like there weren't a lot of like primarily like dyke spaces in Pittsburgh really like ever. But that was like the one place where like the girls would come out and like they they wild out a little bit up there. (laughs) Yeah, that was like a lot of that was like that was a lot of fun. And actually, I yeah, um, it was it was Leather Central was in the basement. Donnie's was like the first floor. Plus, they had this like patio. The patio was just like completely enclosed in like that real shitty like lattice that like every Yinzer used to encase their porch in. Uh-huh. Um, and it overlooked that weird street that ran exactly parallel to the busway. That and street train is super tracks. weird. If you've ever walked down it, it's yeah. There's like very four strange. houses on there. 
Um, I've never that all terrify me. Yeah, I've never seen a single. I lived in Polish Hill for a really long time. I never saw a soul like li- like go into or out of those houses. I swear to God. So I was like out for a walk one day, and I walked down that street, and I swear to God, in the middle of the daytime with absolutely no one around, there was just a burning pile of trash outside somebody's house on that street. And like, this, I was like, why do I smell smoke? And I kept walking down the street, just a pile of trash, like, on fire. This is something I do on the love, side of the road. love very, very much about this city, is that it is, I mean, it is a, you know, medium-sized American city. It is a fairly populous city. And um, it's also just Appalachia. So, like, yeah, like, a block away from, like, the fucking Uber headquarters is a street that ostensibly no one lives on, where you just find piles of burning trash. Yeah, next I mean, to a, like, next to a like former dungeon and lesbian <laughs> dance bar, <laughs> and and again a massive like crumbling about to yeah. fall over brewery beer, building beer plant yeah um, yeah right exactly like you can um th- there are still guys driving like um, Chevy pickups from like nineteen. 19- 72 with like prison tattoos on their arms like getting completely drunk and shooting off guns down at like the button which is like a hundred feet away from the national robotics (laughs) center (laughs) i was down at i was down was that the fourth of july it was some it was some fireworks related holiday but we were down at the the waterfront in millville and like some people, it was clearly not like an officially sanctioned fireworks display, but some people had like a grand worth of fireworks across the street, like on the North Shore side, <laughs> who were just like blowing shit up. And then you were like, woo! <laughs> and they're like, boom! Woo! <laughs> and there was like a big bonfire and shit. It was like, what is happening here? Just like right in the shadow of the fucking he- of Heinz Field. Yeah. It is, um, I don't know, it is a, a special part of the city. Like you said, you can be just walking through, like, normal city streets, you know, prospering industry, banking, robotics, education, <laughs> etc. Um, and you turn, you make, like, three left turns, and all of a sudden, you're on a dead-end street that just terminates in wilderness. Yeah. Like, just, it's somebody's yard with eight pickup trucks in various stages of disassembly and a shack and then just woods and like a cliff that drops off yeah into a ravine. yeah and you're like, yeah, like i i had these great neighbors so i my house my pittsburgh house is in lawrenceville um and which is like for people who are not from pittsburgh it's like the sort of was historic industrial neighborhood um a long time kind of polish neighborhood then um uh actually had for the middle part of the century a fairly significant african-american population as well as polish population kind of down on its luck like when i was a teenager like that's where you went if you wanted to see a hooker like oh was, yeah that was you know um, that used to be the and, joke that it was belvedere's and sweatpants hookers yeah exactly and now it's like rapidly gentrified but there are still like pittsburgh one of its most charming features is alley houses so you'll have these alleys that in any other city would just be access to like 
the like garages or the backyards of houses, but in Pittsburgh there were more houses behind the houses <laughs> and they're just on the alley. I and lived I had... in sorry, continue. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I, I just... lived it I lived in an alley house behind Howlers and Ty Gourmet, actually. Oh hell yeah. For a year. <laughs> I had a I had a shotgun pulled on me and the alley always smelled like it was on fire. Yeah. Like, you know how you well, like you get this... you ac- you acclimate to smell two smells throughout the day, right? But I think going to sleep can sometimes kind of reset that in your brain. I would wake up every morning and it would just smell like charnel. Like yeah. it just smelled like shit was on fire all the time. <laughs> I, I had this great this great neighbor. She her name was Denise, because of course it was, because it's the most Pittsburgh name <laughs> for a woman. Denise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Denise. Denise lived in the alley behind us and she she was an animal lover, so she loved my I would like walk my dog through there because um it was just a trash strewn alley so he could piss and shit on anything. Mm-hmm. Um and I would always run into her because she was always sitting on her front porch um smoking with her like crippled chihuahua whose name was Diamond. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and so my my old my old dog who I had for, for a number of years there um, before she died was this like kind of little sickly beagle and in her la- in her last years like she was on a lot of drugs and Denise was always asking us like after her health and I made the mistake one time of being like well you know like she's been in a lot of pain and she's on medication and like Denise is like ears immediately perked up oh what kind of medication they got her on and i was like oh she's on i was like she's on well they, it's pretty strong it's this pain medication called tramadol oh you know people can take that tramadol too so you got any of those left over you just let me know <laughs> Steelers sweatpants screen door oh, yeah. screen door open Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then it was it was really sad because she got like priced out of the neighborhood because like her landlord realized that they could just like, you know, rent it to some like Googler or Uber person or whatever. Yeah. But it all turned out for the best because like somehow like I, I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow they ended up getting like some kind of like small like cash like payment to like get them out of their lease early which amounted to maybe like five or ten thousand dollars which was like a huge fortune to her and it allowed her um to get her dream home which was um a mobile home out in verona but oh that fuck was yes. great because she had a view of the river <laughs> well that's the, that's the whole advantage of living down there in verona you got the big you got the big walmart down there cheswick and you got a view of the river it's real paradise down there <laughs> Yeah, except they God closed bless. they closed the good theater at Pittsburgh Mills. They did. They closed that theater. Then they closed the Dollar Theater out there in uh, Mount Lebanon. <laughs> I loved that Dollar Theater. I watched every bad movie that had ever been released for $1 after smoking like a blunt. I loved that place <laughs> so much. I was I was I was more partial to the one on Lebanon Church Road um out by Century 3. Um I think it was the same one. It was like like up in the hills, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. looming concrete building that just said cinema in red letters. <laughs> but there was a Taco Bell really close, which was very, very advantageous for uh, the Wait, I, I, state of the state that I was typically in. I think I know exactly what that is. I drive past that every day to do like deliveries. And yeah, work that stuff. used to be a dollar theater where you could, where I saw a film called Poe in which. Some media John Cusack played Edgar Allan Poe, who was also a detective. So like a cross between like 
<laughs> Sherlock Holmes and Edgar Allan Poe. This crime is familiar to me. Edgar Allan Poe. To what may I attribute the honor of your call? Yeah, Basically. yeah. He, he <laughs> Sounds good. It was really not good at all. <laughs> it was extremely bad. Um, okay, so this, not to totally derail this with uh, reminiscing about old Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that is half of what the point of this episode is, but I wanted to know what prompted you to write a book where every conspiracy theory is set in Pittsburgh. Like what got you? Cause I, 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 you can tell from the book. And like you said earlier, that this is sort of an overarching theory that you hold that all conspiracy theories are real and they happen in Pittsburgh, which is, you know, the three rivers, the confluences, you know, the, all the, all the like weird dark magic and chaos energy and the ley lines, they run down the hills and through the rivers and they meet at the point. What got you started on this idea? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, uh, I was always super fascinated, like, by conspiracy theories. I, long, long before, like, the internet as we know it existed or before, like, annoying suburban Trump moms co-opted <laughs> everything cool and turned it into lame-ass <laughs> QAnon, like... But back when conspiracies were still fucking fun and awesome and like you had to like you had to get like a pirated like record like VHS recording of a recording of a recording of like Richard Metzger's disinfo TV series from like oh, the UK. That was, that was so <laughs> such good, good stuff. Um, and like learn about the Montauk project and all of just like this kind of and the Philadelphia experiment and like all of the really kind of cool fun like uh, underground conspiracy stuff that's now just like been digested and spat out by our our stupid culture in the in the most annoying and like anodyne way possible. But um, what you know when i was growing up in western pennsylvania like in pittsburgh and then in greensburg and westmoreland county and then in uniontown and fayette county was just like the stuff that i loved um and so i i had this like native fascination with it and kind of i mean not to again begin reminiscing just about shitty old pittsburgh but like the the sort of like appalachian creepiness of pittsburgh the, the just the way that the the way that even though it's not really fully in the mountains it's a little too far um, west to really be in the mountains themselves it still has that like um hill and holler geography and it's just like full of so many like dark spooky like extremely wet places <laughs> <laughs> like all of that just made made it in my mind just like the absolute perfect place to set um a story that's kind of a ghost story and kind of an aliens story and kind of a like satanic magical abuse story. Um, and what, once I started thinking about it in those lines, it, it, I just sort of thought like, well, it's, uh, it's not, no conspiracy is actually fun to think of in isolation. Like it just, uh, it doesn't make sense for only one of them to be true. Like it doesn't make sense for there only to be aliens from outer space or for their only to be like underground Satan worshippers, um, or that for there only to be time travel. It's much more fun to imagine that they just all exist, um, and all exist kind of like in a on like barely separated from each other, like on slightly different planes of reality, but all converging in some place where like the the veil between 
each world in the next is like very thin and in my mind the place where that it's the thinnest is just at the fountain at point state park <laughs> <laughs> so so in that vein i actually i was doing some i was doing some like you know kind of perfunctory research and i found i found a great article from 2008 in the post gazette so how did the point get on a mayan calendar yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, and this is by Ann Rogers. Uh, the fountain in Point State Park is a place to play and soak the, in cool mist on a hot day. But to Vicki Hanshin and a local network of spiritually eclectic devotees, it is also a sacred place, a portal between earth and heaven that they find depicted on the ancient Maya calendar. According to that calendar, a new age is predicted to begin in 2012. Before that time, these local believers say the aquifer feeding the fountain will develop miraculous healing powers. Mm. Um, the Maya... There are no miraculous healing powers granted by any of Pittsburgh's rivers, <laughs> underground or above ground. It ha- they have miraculous powers, but I wouldn't describe them as healing. Um, Looking at the... more like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than like Fountain of Youth. Yeah, yeah Allegheny Whitefish. Um, <laughs> the Maya, who flourished in southern Mexico and Central America from 2500 BC to 800 AD, believed that certain places on Earth matched constellations in the sky and were portals between this world and heaven. These Pittsburghers today believe that the confluence of the three rivers at the point, together with the underground river that feeds the fountain, are an exact match for the tree of life, or world tree, that the Maya saw at the center of the Milky Way. They say it makes it a very important portal to another world. Ms. Hanschen, a psychotherapist from Swissvale, inadvertently became the spokeswoman for the network when she wrote about it in the local bi-monthly magazine Point of Light. The more I have sat with this material, I've said to myself, why is this coming to us? Why me, she said. Her interest in integrating ideas from different faiths, her parents practiced an array of beliefs from Rosicrucianism to Ashankar. Wow, okay. Awesome. When she was growing up in the 60s, led led her to the Maya. Their complex hieroglyphic calendar depicts an accelerating series of epochs, one of which is set to end around 2012. Many doomsday scenarios have been constructed around that date. Uh, Ms. Hanschen believes that the next age will be one of peace and renewed harmony between humanity and nature. Oh, no. (laughs) Yep, that happened. Um, The idea is that planetary consciousness would go through a great evolutionary leap. Disturbs me that the media was making it into this fear-mongering thing about the end of the world, she said. But if the confluence of the four rivers is depicted on the calendar, how did the ancient Maya come to know about it? Here's her thinking. The Meadowcroft Rock Shelter, just south of Pittsburgh, is the oldest known human settlement in North America, dating back about 16,000 years. What if its inhabitants had migrated south, like a prehistoric stealer nation, carrying a cultural memory of the point? She envisions them leaving a trail of burial mounds as they went, with their descendants eventually arriving in the Yucatan to become the great pyramid builders of the Maya. She discovered that a local mystic and spiritual healer, Nance Stewart of Valencia. <laughs> I love I love I love to have a spiritual leader named Nance. Um, had had visions of just such a migration with ancient humans crossing onto a glacier and settling in Meadowcroft before moving south to the Yucatan. Miss Stewart, a retired crisis intervention worker, believes that the heavenly portal at the point is why Pittsburgh has been the birthplace of so many things, from the first Hindu temple in the United States to the Catholic charismatic movement. In the vision, Miss Stewart said that the confluence of the point was one of 12 portals worldwide. Some of the county countries where the others are located include Australia, China, and Israel that would bring universal light. (laughs) 
<laughs> Israel known for its universal light. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Australia too. Universal Light is the name of a discotheque. In Israel, actually, <laughs> <laughs> where they serve, where they serve Altoona pizza. Uh, <laughs> uh, Israelis would fucking die for that bullshit Altoona pizza. <laughs> oh my god, they would too. <laughs> Israelis love nothing more than bad pizza. Altoona pizza, or um, oh, what is it? Ohio Valley. I think it's there's one specific bar that serves what they call like Ohio Valley pizza or something, and it's got cold American cheese on it. Can I just say that in that what that section of the article that you were just reading, the funniest two words that I've maybe heard today is the two word combination. Um, uh, uh, Swiss fail psychotherapist. <laughs> um, anyway, it kind of carries on. It's fairly long, so I won't go into all of it, but um, it has to do. <laughs> Let's just say the only preparations Pittsburghers need to make for 2012 are things that they should do anyway, Miss Stewart said. We need to spend as much time on our spiritual hygiene as we do on our physical hygiene. So none. Um, that means taking time for prayer or meditation, practicing non-judgment and unconditional love. Pittsburghers turned a beautiful, gorgeous church into a fucking brewery. So I don't know that we get to talk about spiritual hygiene at all. No. And I would say that this is not a place where people should be discussing physical hygiene either. <laughs> so on on New Year's in in, um, in right around 2012, I actually my this friend of mine who's another kind of conspiracy uh, devotee and myself, we went down to the point and we had the most like incredible magical encounter and i was like in the middle of revisions on the novel at that at that point um uh, and so we we were like just wandering around and it was snowing pretty hard which was pretty like pretty beautiful actually at the point and we like come come across this guy this kind of older gentleman in this like kind of funny hat with this like very large esoteric like brooch on his big coat who's just kind of like sitting there and he immediately struck up conversation with us and was like um ha you know just like powerful um guy like writing the alternate history of the universe at the bloomfield crazy mocha energy but oh god um, yes victor but, yeah but so Wait, yeah is that the so guy this, that has the, not, the memorial outside was, it wasn't actually victor but victor energy yeah, yeah, yeah okay. but, he had powerful victor energy yeah absolutely but so anyway he claimed to be during this conversation he's like asked us what we were doing there we kind of told him we were like well it's a long story but it has to do with the with the mayan apocalypse and pittsburgh figuring prominently in it and he was like oh yeah that's why i'm down here i've been collecting vials of water from each of the three rivers do you think there are any big celebrations planned for the city to celebrate 2012 and i was like i, I don't I don't know if uh, <laughs> if Pittsburgh is really fully cognizant of the fact that we're the prophesied site of the start of the new age of the Vine calendar. And then as the conversation continued, he first he told us that he was um, a semi-legendary underground film director, Philip Ford, who um, directed uh, 1991's um, Very Excellent Vegas in Space. I would definitely <laughs> recommend that you um, that you look it up if you've never if you've never had the chance to see it. I feel but like then I've he told it, and then I was like, "Well, what's your Pittsburgh connection? Like, aside from the fact that you're here to get small vials of water from each of the three rivers." 
And he said that he was there because his brother-in-law was um, famous Pittsburgh songster Lou Christie, um, uh, the uh, uh, songwriter behind the song "Lightning Strikes." Light lightning is striking again, um, <laughs> and that so uh, that that was his family connection to Pittsburgh, and that's how he had come to know that Pittsburgh was the sort of like occult esoteric center of the universe and i just took that to be basically a validation that everything all of the made-up shit that i put into my book is actually true <laughs> This is a miraculous place to meet Cranks. Oh man, it's amazing. I was like, um, I was uh, in town not pretty recently and I have a, like a friend of a friend who has this crazy property that's basically like a farm, but it's actually like right behind the housing projects, like Northview Heights. And the only way that you can get there is by basically like, driving up through like the spring garden valley which is like, i love maybe the, the spring garden valley absolutely the most like be cursed place in all of <laughs> it's Pittsburgh. got like so... it's got like a gas station that also sells breakfast sandwiches and fried chicken <laughs> there yeah or, or, that like, sounds amazing hold on just no actually yeah. describe the what is it the spring garden valley because i don't know what this is and i assume a lot of the listeners won't either <laughs> Jacob, take it away. Uh, okay, okay. How about so? Like I, as I was saying, like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is is a very hilly city, and it's basically like all, all hills and old haulers. And so there's there's a neighborhood. There are two neighborhoods called Spring Hill and Summer Hill, which are kind of up on a bluff overlooking um, the Allegheny River on the northern side of Pittsburgh. And then there is a steep valley between them. And then on the other side of that are a couple of neighborhoods called like Fine View and Northview Heights. And in between them is this neighborhood called Spring Garden. But like Spring Garden is really, I mean, it's a neighborhood, but it's really just one street that runs through what would have been like before the city expanded into there, just like a creek valley. So it, it's just, it's always like wet, and foggy it could be like it could be like a 90 degree sunny day everywhere else in city in the city and it's like 60 degrees <laughs> and like full of mist down in spring valley it's so creepy. every ev the sidewalk is exactly three inches wide mm -hmm. every house is less than like a foot from the road <laughs> it's mostly warehouses and then like when you do run into a residential house it's like uh Mm. Um, but then also <laughs> it has jump scare house <laughs> it really is but then they also has like one of a, just a really classic Pittsburgh feature which is at some point somebody put a bunch of rocks on one like little slope and it's just spells out in rocks spring garden <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's at least we are a neighborhood god damn it <laughs> yeah there's like at least one little cemetery plot that's just like next to somebody's hillside house yeah um there are constantly landslides there like i feel like some like 
19 teens like bloomfield style frame house is constantly just being like destroyed by mud in spring valley like this is america this is america's most livable city by the way they don't tell you about this part well it's fun the part where the part where like half of the houses are a 10 out of 10 flood risk (laughs) (laughs) it's impossible to get flood insured in this city it's true don't even try it's a livable city right up until the part where you're buried in an avalanche. Or you're not white. Yes. Or, well, yeah, or you're not white. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Spring Garden, Spring Garden, you get to Spring Garden, like the Spring Garden Valley and Spring Garden Road by basically going through, like, you're going through the north side. It's kind of normal. You, like, leave the Deutschtown area and then you take a just weird dip down a street that looks like it should not be a street, but somehow is and also it's a two-way street despite the fact that barely one car can fit through it um and then yeah you're just in this industrial like like said wet (laughs) a holler (laughs) deep like area and the only like the only like business the only like you know drive up kind of retail business is a gas station called mitchell's that also appears to have a biscuit and chicken restaurant in it (laughs) how's the biscuit and chicken though I don't know. It's all—it's always closed when I'm down there. Ugh. Like the gas station is open, but the biscuit and chicken situation is not open. It's one of those places that's like the dog and burger shop in Bloomfield. It's open from 6 a.m. to noon. Yeah. And then randomly for the last several weeks closed on Saturdays. Yes. Closed yeah. for Little Italy days. <laughs> Closed for closed in closed in observance of Columbus Day. Yeah. <laughs> I have a I have a friend that made a, a we talked about Ty Gourmet earlier. A friend that made a playlist called Ty Gourmet Closed for Skullfest. <laughs> it's true that they do close for Skullfest every year because they're like, no, we can't do this. Yeah, it's too much. That poor family, man, during Skullfest. Well, there was a couple of years where. It, it, there was a couple of years where Skullfest, it was when they first started doing Skullfest intentionally on the same weekend as Little Italy Days. Um, and a bunch of the shows were on Liberty Avenue. So when Trace Brewing was still the shop, a bunch of shows were at the shop. There were some at Howlers and then there were some at Caliente. Like Caliente made the horrible decision so to allow them to do Skullfest shows. So um, there was just like hundreds of like road warrior freaks just drunkenly ping-ponging from between all three of these locations while little italy days was also going on and it was what it was probably the most fun i've ever had in my entire life it was just why i'd be like nance what the fuck is going on <laughs> these guys got bones on <laughs> but a lot of them made friends outside of the bloomfield tobacco store <laughs> Oh man! Another place with deeply, which like incredibly dark energy. Yeah, that place is. Uh, I mean, I respect the ultimate chaotic decision, which is to have huge, like giant windows for your storefront, and to be like, now nah, boarding them up, put the register there. <laughs> <laughs> like they have these gorgeous, giant, full length windows that open onto one of the busiest commercial avenues in the city, and. They have intentionally chosen to put up like perf board walls over the windows and then like put the register right there, <laughs> which I res- I don't know why, but I respect that. I tell you what, I remember the day that they raised cigarette taxes in the city because that that place was a buzz. Because <laughs> there was a riot outside. Oh, no. Everybody outside was like, can you believe this? 
Something, uh, something kind of interesting about all this, um, kind of just a, like in relation to this talk or this this conversation about places having sort of a dark energy or just an energy of some kind <laughs> being is, damp. Is, well, the, so the thing is, is like you know, you know, you, I've heard descriptions of many a Pittsburgh location. Some you know reference multiple times, starting to like stick in the noggin here, but. From what you've described to me of the place geographically and ecologically, right? Being on the sort of the outskirts of the Appalachians and the conflux of these, is it, th it's three rivers, right? Yeah, the conflux of these three You're rivers. You're fired. And, and having like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, having uh, this just sort of multiple valleys kind of splintering off and creating these tinier little valleys and canyons that you have all this water come and settle down in and soak into this very riparian but damp area it's almost like it it, it places like that it, it almost feels sort of beowulfian i mean surprisingly we don't have any like werewolf legends really beyond like the generic like well, bigfoot but yeah that's about it yeah we don't have yeah, like, I... a specific a werewolf kind of legend for this area that does that does surprise me um we don't really have any particular like animal, like creature like crypt, legends, like cryptid. Yeah, like Bigfoot. West Virginia's got. I don't know how prevalent Bigfoot is in Pittsburgh. Though. No, Bigfoot. The <laughs> Western Pennsylvania is like one of the third. Like I don't know, it's regularly ranked as like the third most likely place to see Bigfoot. Really? Yeah, I big, always assume that's more of a down south kind of thing. Yeah, Bigfoot's. There's definitely a there. In fact, I actually, when I was growing up, I actually, I, I, I knew a guy whose uncle claimed to have shot a Bigfoot um, <laughs> on, on their property. I Dan, did. Dan Bay, Dan Bay County. I, I, I did. Shot I, I shot, I seen him. He was out lurking around. And I know, also I found like, an no. article. I also found an article that says alleged Bigfoot sighting props gunfire at National Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this guy claimed he claimed that he shot him, but he only winged the Bigfoot. But then he, he claimed to have found some of the Bigfoot blood on one of his fence posts. A chunk of fur. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! As you do. As okay. a warning to other big feet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, okay, actually, I, I wanted to ask this. If there was any one conspiracy theory or cryptid or legend that you could pick to, like, be true and factual from the book, which one would it be? you going to go with lizard people or time-traveling UFOs or... <laughs> um, I, uh... <laughs> actually, I mean, in, in sort of a funny way, um, uh, the one... The one that I actually do think um, <laughs> kind of is true is in a way is like both the both the most and least mystical of them all, which is basically that like um, uh, occult Nazi energy was transported over the seas <laughs> by um, by uh, international shipping companies in collaboration with the U.S. intelligence community sometime right after the war, and that that was really the thing that sort of, like, seeded all of the darkness that, <laughs> that like... I don't think that that's... Is that is that controversial? Yeah, we that, that we support that as the official narrative, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, I believe that 100%. <laughs> I mean, um, I, 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 I really... I, I mean, I, 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 I do love... I do love a good U UFO encounter. Um, 
I think uh, a, a good UFO experience is the one that I, I really want to I really want to be true. And and Western PA also, aside from having a lot of Bigfoot sightings, is also a big uh, a big hotspot for for not just UFO sightings, which I, I feel like are you hear about them, but maybe a little bit less than you do, like out in the desert west, where you can actually like see the sky, as opposed to Pittsburgh, where you can't because you're in a valley and it's also always raining. The, yeah. um, the Denora smog never really the, went yeah, away. The yeah, yeah, the great but, the great airborne event has never uh, ended. You're right, um, but but there are a lot of abduction stories coming out of western western Pennsylvania, and part of that I do think is because both in the city and outside of the city, like 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 you said like you can just get down to the end of a street and then all of a sudden you're in the woods somehow (laughs) (laughs) and then you drive out of the city and it's like one minute you're on mcknight road surrounded by every fucking capitalist big box hellscape that you can possibly imagine and then three minutes later you're just like in the depths of the spookiest forest that you've ever been in in your entire (laughs) life i just think that really lends itself to people um getting snatched up and experimented on yeah you got kecksburg the big one mm-hmm. tell me about i don't know anything about kecksburg so the story of kecksburg is like i i don't actually know the story very well but i know that at, in the 60s in kecksburg pennsylvania which is like an intersection um it, i've been we've been there and it's beautiful. So it's a no stoplight town it's just a four-way stop sign town I don't think there's a stop sign. <laughs> like, as far as I'm aware, downtown Kecksburg is the Kecksburg VFW across from the UFO mon- memorial. <laughs> um, Wait, but can we just stop for a moment to point out that the UFO memorial looks like something between, like, a cross between, like, a Buddhist stupa in, like, Nepal and a butt plug. It does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about this, but your second book, um, which the title of which I always fuck up, but it's on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, right? Yeah, I got uh, that you right. You have to be a Jew to be able to say it, um, to be able yeah, to say it fluently. Cause it's I'm from it, it's from a, a a portion of the uh, reform. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like vaguely familiar with the the concept, but I always fucked up the wording of it. But it's about essentially the building of the Monfayette expressway yeah uh, uh-huh. yeah it's, it's literally about the building of the Montfayette Expressway. another yeah, yeah. another place that is deeply haunted well and a place that i have to drive almost every day for work so when i started reading that i was like oh wow this is this is powerful just talking about 84 like driving past it or through there if i have to take a detour like 84 and then there's a tiny, uh, tiny imagine village. naming a town 84 spelled out well, have you been it's to Spaces Corners? Fucked up. What? There's a Miami the beach village on the of northern Spaces... coast of Ireland. The village of Spaces Corners. 
No, what is that? It's out Route 8. It's a village called the Village of Spaces Corners. It's near 84. Interesting. That's a cool name. It's really, it's a really cute little town, but it does feel like, it feels like a horror movie kind of town. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there were a lot of those down, I mean, speaking of the Mon Fayette Expressway, so which connects the Monongahela Valley um, to Fayette County. And Fayette County, um, which is south southeast of Pittsburgh, and and right where the the real Appalachian Mountains start, is a place that has so many um, amazing cursed names. Like Oliver Furnace is the name <laughs> of like one one town. Or when I when we lived there, when we moved there for like the first year, while my parents were like house hunting, we just rented this like kind of little almost like bungalow style house in kind of an older neighborhood right in the middle of Uniontown. And right next to it, right in the middle of town was an old coal patch town that was like part of the city, but not part of the city. And it was just those old, like really shoddily constructed like duplexes that they used to house coal miners in in company towns. And that place, the name, the name of that, I guess it was really a neighborhood, not really a, a town proper unto itself, but it was called Leaf. Which I always thought was just like it like sounds like a horrible skin condition. <laughs> it's caused by living in a coal patch town. Well, there's, there's there's two towns in Cambria County. One is called Culver, and the one next to it is called Revlock. You know what Revlock is? It's Culver backwards. Oh my god! And in Culver is not spelled C O L V E R. It's C O A L, like coal. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! So that's Man. like the western. That's the western Pennsylvania version of Calexico and Mexicali. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except that it's the name Cole is in it just because they couldn't think of anything else to name it. Western PA. The town naming is is fucked up. I mean, there's Johnstown. there's Nicktown. <laughs> there's Charleroi, which is like. Uh, definitely punching above its weight class as far as names go to be like, yes, what are we going to name our town? King Charles, Charleroi. <laughs> uh, it's a town entirely con- uh, uh, made up of one way streets. <laughs> like, <laughs> bold thinking. <laughs> I mean, Fayette, like, let, here's some other good Fayette County names for it. Fayette County, Pennsylvania names for you. Um, let's see, there's Oliphant Furnace. That's a good uh. one. There's Lacrone, which is <laughs> spelled L-E-C-K-R-O-N-E. There's Smock, which I always really loved. Um, there's Peachin, home to Peachins, the greatest value store in the history of uh, of the world, possibly a place. My my grandmother, who lived in Pittsburgh for her whole life, but she loved coming down to Fayette County because she could go to Peachins, where as late as like the mid-90s, you could still get um, a... Uh, meatloaf and mashed potato like blue plate special lunch for 45 cents oh my god Holy shit. well that's why i love the dog at burger shop so much is that you can get i mean like i don't eat cheeseburgers anymore but a cheeseburger was two dollars dog and burger i don't want to like blow up the spot but dog and burger is no one who listens to the show is awake early enough to eat a dog and burger <laughs> that's true <laughs> dog and burger is my go-to every saturday morning before i open the bar i go in there and i get um Three three dollar bacon, egg, and cheese on white bread. 
And I walk in, I say, the old lady says, what do you want, baby? I say, $3 bacon, egg, and cheese, please, ma'am. And she goes, you got it, honey. <laughs> I, say, I say, thank you. Thank there you, ma'am. Be, there used to be a diner in Bloomfield called Seven Seas. I don't know if you Oh, Seven Seas was an amazing place. That ha- Talk about a place, a, a Pittsburgh um, like a Pittsburgh welcome to the street where it was like, it was like this weird little like brick bricked in entryway with like teeny tiny little windows that you entered from the side. To get yeah. I was like under a stairwell. <laughs> 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 the woman who ran it hated men and she smoked all day while she was cooking. And I remember that place had a $4 veal and gravy like oh. lunch special. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Oh my God. That place is so good. Where now, was this? Um, next to the pleasure bar. Oh, okay. What is that now? Is Talk that... about another place with extremely upsetting energy. The pleasure yeah, bar, man. But... <laughs> Anytime somebody has recommended the pleasure bar to me, like what? Well, it, it's always like a kind of an older person, and I tell them like a family friend or something. I'm like, oh, I'm living in Bloomfield now, and they go, oh yeah, you got to go to the pleasure bar, and it always comes with a caveat. I mean, I haven't been there in like 10 or 15 years, but that was the spot in Bloomfield. I mean, it was the spot because you could drink there when you were 18. <laughs> that was your spot, right? Yeah, yeah. you could drink there when you were 18. <laughs> there was like a, there was a period of time, I, like I remember, I think, I think it was probably maybe in like the early 20 teens where like, actually probably right around right around the time when the bend of the world was set but i just remember when like all of the like hipster gays and art fags like for like a hot minute decided that the pleasure bar was the place that they were all going to hang out and then there was like a revolt by the old guard there over having <laughs> all these freaks and weirdos up in here and i think there was actually even like a like some kind of like pretty horrific gay bashing incident if i remember correctly because i remember a bunch of people protesting it um it, that it was, was a, just like, like friendship circle right behind it yeah oh do you know about this yeah yeah damn some yeah somebody pulled a gun on a lesbian couple shit that'll Jesus. do it there's I mean, um... friendship circle is a great example another great example of just like cursed pittsburgh history because it was like the the woman i forget her name but who kind of like spearheaded the development of the park of that park back there specifically had it designed with all of those like weird mounds that are in it so that people couldn't play games there yes yeah i always wonder what the fuck the deal with that is it was designed so that people wouldn't gather there and like play games or like be loud yeah i mean it is the worst park in the city but it's absolutely the worst it is another thing where if you think about like mystical topography i mean like why in the nexus of these two neighborhoods is there this unnecessary circle where people can't actually hang out unless they are in the one concrete center of it yeah no it's weird it it like directs the flow of movement in a very bizarre way you're either inside it yeah or you are you are passing around it or not visiting there's no yeah exactly yeah, the only pe- the only, like there are people from the neighborhood who like are trying to walk their dogs there, but you can't because it's like designed with like a giant like <laughs> the imitation of like a Native American mound structure running yeah, right yeah, down the like center. Burial of it. mounds, <laughs> and then there's always like a little like a collection of like 
like wheelchair-bound invalids from the hospital right across the street chain-smoking cigarettes with their nurses who are chain-smoking with them <laughs> like all gathered in that concrete area in the center oh, and then, like, it's collecting uh, it's, it's collecting energy but of what what energy <laughs> remains a mystery yeah i'm we'll gonna find need some like black day. and white style photographs of the people in wheelchairs next to their care nurses, both smoking cigarettes, but like kind of up close, like the portrait style, kind of like, you know, uh, oh, I can't think of her name. You but do all an the, interesting all the study of people there. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> good, um, uh, good screenshot of the, the American healthcare industry. <laughs> my other favorite example of a like local townie bar revolting against, or, or maybe honestly, in their case, I think taking preemptive measures to avoid being uh, overrun by, as you put it, uh, gay hipsters and art fags, I believe, was um, <laughs> Pope's in Polish L, which is, oh, uh, uh. I, I, I think there's plenty of bars and clubs and things that have like dress code policies. Pope's is the only one that I'm aware of that has it like printed on a giant placard outside that is this <laughs> just sort of nebulous like dress code enforced sign and you know immediately that it just means you can't come in here with torn up black jeans and patches on and a denim vest and animal bones <laughs> hanging from your belt like it's a, it's a it's a prophylactic against punks coming into <laughs> what is the Listen, one I remaining Polish townie I ain't got bar. nothing against no gay people. I got I got I got one of them gay kids who's one of my one of my nephew's cousins. But <laughs> I don't want no boy who's got one of them feather earrings coming up in here when I'm just trying to have a drink and watch them stellars. <laughs> <laughs> or or you have or you have the indecifiable energy of take a break which was like we will simply be too disgusting for too many people to like tolerate it for too long same with the rock room where the rock room was like oh grad students from cmu are starting to hang out here not anymore (laughs) we're gonna get grosser i do remember i i worked at cmu i worked at the tazadoro at cmu for a while and i lived across the street from gooskies that was my bar i went there all the time and whenever i would see like the students from cmu there it was like watching a dog walk on its hind legs they were just like (sighs) (laughs) wow this is dirty <laughs> like yeah do you want some food from here it's really good <laughs> although i so the most disgusting place though i, I mean r.i.p is that not uh, in in any of these kind of like polish hill and sort of like edge of the east end neighborhoods but and actually it's in my book and it's based on a place where a friend of mine really lived in real life but was margaritaville on the south side oh my god that place was upsetting (laughs) yeah and he lived he lived in this apartment above and it was the most like the most cursed like pittsburgh residential like design ever it wasn't even like the like all the like you can look on instagram now like apartments of pittsburgh or whatever they are where it's like this is this is my apartment and the the fridge is in a funny place like in this one straight up like the the like stairwell to the apartment above his like went through his apartment and didn't really have like a door on it you know like the... <laughs> people from the bar used to just like wander in there get totally trashed and at the end of the night just wander into the stairwell and pass out there and he would he'd, like go there like it 
noon the next day to meet your friend and there would just be like some drunk with his ass out like laying on the stairs basically in my friend's apartment <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that sounds that sounds accurate oh god margaritaville what a just horrible place i mean the south side generally but margaritaville was just an amazing yeah my, I, I, my I criticism my one criticism of your book is just for a book about the satanic energies of pittsburgh Southside does not feature nearly enough <laughs> <laughs> like you capture the evil energy of the carnegie in oakland very well but like not enough not nearly enough Southside. <laughs> oh my god yeah just... well i i i went i mean having worked in the nonprofit and culture industry in the city of pittsburgh for like the last 20 years I spent a lot of time at parties at the Carnegie Museum absorbing its incredibly powerful evil energy. It's such <laughs> an immensely evil place. Like the Hall of Sculptures or whatever that just like Grecian homoerotic Anytime array. I go in there, I expect to see a dude like laid out on that tile floor flayed. Yeah. No, just skin, like, no skin. Just like blood pooling. <laughs> it is an incredibly evil place. Yeah. I mean, most museums feel a little evil. That one feels particularly evil. Yeah. That's why it's fun to visit. I would disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, Carnegie, I haven't been in a while, so maybe I'm romanticizing. The Carnegie International is where they begin harvesting their souls each year. So I want to talk about the green man. Let's do it. Sweet. Cool. Did you have an article pulled up? I mean, I that? have some. You had, you were... I had one too, um, although I was just going to kind of hit the the main points. Um, so this is uh, the story of the Green Man, which is a little, when it comes to like the name the Green Man, there's conflicting like cryptid legends because the Green Man's also the name for um, like the kind of like woodlandy spirit that they kind of uh, borrow from for True Detective Season 1 a little bit. Uh, like the description of the killer uh, kind of deal. But the Green Man in Western Pennsylvania is a real life, was a real life person, an actual living, you know, I don't know. I guess it's disrespectful to call him a cryptid. <laughs> He's a real guy. <laughs> anyway, Raymond Robinson was a man who lived uh, in the early 20th century Um well, born in 1910, but lived, you know, until 1985, who um, I believe, oh, where did this take place? Um, oh, yeah. Born in Beaver County, he was at a very young age, at eight years old, electrocuted after climbing a power line to reach for a bird's nest and uh, was horrifically disfigured because of that, like burning off most of his face and um was essentially in the style of like kind of kind of like the the one kennedy sister they were just like <laughs> yeah like i don't know like keep them inside basically helen i don't remember they she had a lobotomy they had her they gave her a lobotomy <laughs> yeah i guess uh, not they they were they did not do that to raymond uh Thank goodness. But they were kind of like, yeah, um, you, your face is so fucked up that we need to keep you inside her. It'll start a general panic, um, which feels a little like over the top dramatic to me. I don't know. Like, is somebody with a fuck is 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 it going to be I don't know. Like, are you really going to start a panic? 
just by having a fucked I mean, up fist. This was a time period in which like literally anything could start a panic. Like a weird looking bird could begin <laughs> could begin could begin a national crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he was like, there are pictures of him and he was extremely disfigured. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he like survived. Uh, they make a point to say here in the sort of write up about this, that he was um, like climbing a, an electrical line on a, like on a, a, an electrical pole on a bridge and that the same, the exact same electrical line on that bridge had killed another boy a year before. Um, so you would think they would have done something about that at the time, but it was no. 1918. Yeah, so no, they were I just think, like, I don't think that they ever would have done anything. They about were that. just like, yeah, it's probably fine. Nobody's going to be dumb enough to make that mistake twice. I mean, this was also an era in which you had 14 kids because 10 of them were going to die. 10 of them were going to get electrocuted yeah. and fall off a bridge. <laughs> uh, That's why but... we have so many of them around here. <laughs> the blood sacrifice. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, he lived and lost both eyes, his nose and right arm, and essentially took to taking these like long walks in the middle of the night when no one would see him. And that essentially created the legend of the green man, uh, which was just, yeah, there's a creepy guy that walks around at night sometimes. Uh, We should drive around and throw stones at him. Yeah, well, I guess some people would hang out with him. Like, there were a bunch of people who would, like, bring him beers and, like, smoke cigarettes with him and, like, hang out with him. And then some people would, like, chase him. Yeah. And, like, torment him. But the the legend is that the Green Man Tunnel in the South Hills, that you can see him and he'll chase you out of there. Hmm. Yeah. And that's where the – did the name, the Green Man, did that already come from the tunnel? That came from – they said that he glowed green. Oh, okay. Because of yeah. the electrical accident. Interesting. Yeah, like a like a character in a bad Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like Mr. Burns, when he's all yeah. fucked up on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> um, that episode it, of Futurama where they all eat the gas station egg salad sandwich. <laughs> I never, I don't understand. Like, so I the 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 Greenman Tunnel is it's actually I think it is down in Peters Township. It's like way down in the South Hills, but he was from the north. He was from Beaver, Beaver County, Falls. And like, yeah, Beaver yeah, County. and the area that he walked around, like on Route 351, is also all up in like the Beaver County area. So I, I like, obviously, like once you get an, a kind of urban or regional like legend like that, it's obviously going to like spill the banks of its actual geographic location, and like people are going to start like seeing this figure apparition like all over the place because it becomes kind of a spook story. But I still never quite understood. Like, I don't understand the connection between the tunnel, between this old, like, coal coal service tunnel in the South Hills and this and this dude from Beaver County, which... Yeah, North, are, are North like, Hills. I mean, of the far poles of the Pittsburgh metropolitan area, like, probably 50 miles apart. Yeah. yeah. Man walked a lot. What can you say? <laughs> <laughs> he gets around. I managed the kitchen at Frankuary before Grapparia was there, so people would also get drunk there, eating their seven dollar hot dogs. Yeah, uh, I saw some pretty wretched behavior at Frankuary too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've seen some pretty wretched behavior all, all over Pittsburgh. I, yeah, I, <laughs> city of wretches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I once had a guy um, during the. Um, 
Pittsburgh Opera's annual Mycenaeus Gala fundraiser, which took place on 500 people eating dinner on the stage of the Benetton Center. Oh, God. Um, when when the, li- the, the band took a break and a guy was so drunk that he just got up <laughs> onto the bandstand, started playing the drum set, <laughs> and then fell off the back of the bandstand. And this this is a this is a $500 a plate minimum gala event and this guy just fell right off the bandstand. I feel like I feel like that kind of nonprofit event is really where you get some like some really choice like drunk rich person behavior yeah yeah well another woman i had to escort out she was like drunk and starting to get a little abusive so i like convinced her to go outside and convinced her it was probably time to go home (laughs) and the valets brought her car around and i was like i don't know like i really don't think we should just put the put this woman in a car and let her drive home like we're we're kicking her out so maybe we shouldn't just like shove her into her mercedes c-class and let her drive around downtown pittsburgh so but i was like i but the valets brought her car around and she she promptly walked right past the guy who had who had gotten out and was holding the driver's side door open for her walked right past him opened the back door, got into the rear driver's side seat, sat there for a minute, and then leaned back out, like, tits hanging out of her dress and everything, and was like, where's the steering wheel? (laughs) 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 Oh, God damn. Well, we can all only aspire to that one day, can't we? Um, well, I think that's a good as good a place to put a button. That's a that's a perfect ending note, actually. <laughs> Jacob, uh, thank you so much for. Do doing you want to real quick? Do you want to plug your books or any projects you have right now? Uh, yeah. Well, sure. Um, let's see. I uh, my my books are The Bend of the World, um, and The Doorposts of Your House and On Your Gates, both novels, both about Western PA, both available wherever fine books are sold. Um, I wrote uh, a short nonfiction book about Joan Didion um, as well, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, And uh, I'm currently at work actually on another book that's about another conspiracy in Western Pennsylvania, uh, largely about um, how Israel got the nuclear bomb. So maybe we can talk about that again someday. Oh my God, yes. And what else else am I working on right now? Uh, And I'm writing a weekly call, or excuse me, a monthly column for uh, the new uh, rehabilitated, uh, alive again, cool as it used to be Gawker. So so once a month, tune into Gawker to see me write about whatever dumb shit I'm thinking about. Are you going to take over the the Brian Moylan, like... (laughs) <laughs> tv homosexual corner i feel like I, I do feel like i would like to write um some to ghost write some like celebs uh, bullshit autobiography but i can't quite figure out who who that um celeb really should be um i mean except for the fact that i actually really uh feel like i would enjoy doing um an autobiography with like one of the conspiracy figures on the right like right now, like uh, if I could convince Alex Jones to let me go straight his oh. autobiography, I would do it in an absolute minute. Oh, that would be so good too. Yeah, but he doesn't want anybody to know where the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs>